This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I am your host and the chief of the Pitch, Mr. Brock Wilbur. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, having a great week. Uh, we just sent our next issue of the magazine off to the printers, uh, so you'll see that on stands on the first. Very happy with this one. Very happy with this one. The uh, the winter months tend to be a, a little lean on things, especially in the last few years when not a lot you can do inside safely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tricky time to be out there trying to cover stuff, and we got together uh, one of my favorite magazines we've we've done in my time here, so very excited for you guys to be reading that. Uh, sort of in the background the last two weeks, I've been doing something. Uh, I am the co-president in Kansas City of my college's alumni group. Uh, took that job on right around the same time as I took on the job at the pitch months before pandemic hit. So still have only seen everybody in person once. Uh, so one of the only things that uh, I have a responsibility to do is to do student interviews uh, for seniors in high school that are applying to my school. Um, and boy, howdy, it's, it's just always such a delight because it, it is a reminder to me of what I must have sounded like, um, it, in my junior and senior year, it, it was about doing absolutely everything I could, every organization, every event in hopes of having just the coolest, longest resume. Certainly no one could turn me down, uh, if I had all of this on my resume and, uh, yeah, there's there's a number of these kids that I talk to that I'm like I I hear in your voice the same thing I heard in my voice and I I wish I had the 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 easiest words to give you to be like you can you can calm down like it it is not going to be this complicated uh, the things that you think matter do not and the things that you don't think matter do um, a a thing that I've loved uh, about my last few years in Kansas City is the number of these students that I talk to who uh, when you're like well what kind of major are you going to do um, Neuro, neurobiology, neurology, like anything in like the neuro department seems to be an answer for like 70% of Kansas area kids. And it's not like my school has like a neurology program in the undergrad that's known for anything. Their graduate school does, but one does not necessarily feed into the other. Anyway, it's just a lot of kids that are, that are seniors in high school, half my age, telling me about how interested they are in brain surgery. And it feels a lot to me whenever... It happens um, in my grade school in Salina, Kansas, when uh, we did our sixth grade graduation show. Everybody was supposed to say what they wanted to do uh, when when they went to college. Uh, I, I still wanted to be a Ghostbuster, so I have no room to talk on this one. But um, uh, a, a solid two-thirds of the girls in my class answered that they wanted to be a marine biologist and uh, get that uh, degree from uh, Colorado, uh, which... I still haven't really checked it out, but I'm fairly certain there is no marine biology program at Colorado on account of the lack of oceans, marine life, sort of landlocked. I could be wrong. I could, they, Emily could have been absolutely right in her dream to do that. Um, it's just one of those that once you're, once you're past it, you understand a little bit like, you know, plans are for fools, which is sort of why I've really enjoyed, like there's, there's two ends of the spectrum when talking to, high school seniors about what they're going to go do in college. Uh, There's the ones that want to be neurobiologists, and then there's the ones that want to change the world. 
uh, and and they're very excited about how they're going to change the world in the next few months. Uh, and I, I have no ability to damper that because I fully believe that only kids can pull things off these days. Uh, everyone else is too old and boring or or too slogged down in the misery of life. It's the the enthusiasm with which I uh, got to interact with people this week is one of those things like hanging out with children when you've been just sort of hanging out with sad adults for too long and you forgot how to to be that excited. It's almost draining. Like I had to take a lay down between two of the calls. Uh, anyway, uh, this all wound up with uh, my my final interview here uh, was a girl who is not from Kansas City proper, but from a small town more in more in the Kansas area. Uh and when I got on the call with her, I was waiting to hear about how she was going to be an entrepreneur uh, in some generic way, which they, that's my other favorite answer is like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be like Shark Tank. And you're like, well, you can't really be Mark Cuban without generational wealth. There's not really a path for that. But I, I appreciate the enthusiasm for general business. Um, anyway, I got her on the phone and was just like, so what is the very specific plan that you have for college? And she's like, you know what? I just want to get out of here. Uh, this is a small town. I hate it. I want to go to a big city. Uh, I'm very smart and capable, and I will figure it out there. There's a lot of things I enjoy. I'm very good at everything I try to do. I'm just going to see where it takes me. And I, <laughs> I've never hit, like, a hard recommend on a on a student faster. It's like, yes, that's that's the that's what I should have known going in, and that person is going to do very, very well. I <laughs> I sincerely cannot wait. I, I went to college thinking that I was going to be an econ major, and that did not last. Uh, I jumped between schools three times before I found what I was going to do. And even then, I didn't spend the rest of my life doing that. So, uh, yeah, life's about jumping around, and I wish her luck. Uh, very, very capable luck. She's got that one on lock. Anyway, we've got a great episode today. Um, we've got uh, an interview coming up with Josh Shaw, who uh, is the frontman of the band Black Hippie. And we've got Nick's Music Corner, as per always. Uh, but first up, we've got a reading of Liz Cook's piece, Liquid Courage, which is the cover of our most recent magazine. Uh, our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment is going to read that for you. Here you go, Jay. Liquid Courage, Intravenous Infusions and the Burgeoning World of Boutique Bloodwork by Liz Cook. It's a weird feeling scheduling a hangover. Because I'm a woman of a certain age, that age is 32, I can no longer drink more than four beers without feeling like a trash muppet. In a sense, all of my hangovers are scheduled because they are inevitable, a progressive vice tax with per-drink brackets. Still, something felt different about booking an appointment with Liquid Mobile IV, one of the many local businesses that promised to relieve hangovers through the power of intravenous fluids. Maybe it was all the foreshadowing. After filling out a short medical history and signing a consent form, my appointment was secured. Ten days from now, I would be miserable enough to let a stranger put a needle in my arm. Elective IV businesses, or drip bars, aren't new, but until recently they seemed like a niche option, reserved for Vegas bachelor parties or the ultra-rich. Gwyneth Paltrow and Chrissy Teigen have publicly proclaimed their love for IV infusions. The heiress to the Getty oil fortune was lauded in Vogue France for supplying IV drips for guests at an extravagant multi-day wedding officiated by Nancy Pelosi. In the last couple of years, drip bars have proliferated throughout the metro making the main line a little more mainstream. That doesn't mean the treatments are cheap. An IV infusion locally might run anywhere from $100 to more than $300, depending on the location and volume of fluids. But I wanted to see how the other half lived. Mostly, I wanted to know if buying my way out of a hangover was as orgiastic as it seemed. 
I wanted IV fluids to inflate my crumpled, hungover body like a bounce castle until I had enough vim and vigor to berate Witherkins about the state of the carriage house. With ten days to kill before my next hangover, I decided to book another IV infusion for a sober comparison point. I grabbed the first open slot at another business, IV Nutrition Now, a chain clinic that operates out of a strip mall in Overland Park next to the beef jerky experience. The inside didn't look like a clinic. It looked like a spa. The infusion room had a plant wall, all pothos, and the kind of leather recliner chairs you might see in a swank movie theater. I nestled myself into one and perused a glossy menu of services while a friendly employee named Monica checked my blood pressure and my blood oxygen levels. The menu had more than 20 different cocktails of vitamins and amino acids, most of which had alliterative names like Acobsolver, trademark, and Insane Immune, trademark. Nearly every menu item was trademarked. I was overwhelmed by choice. Did I want Hefty Hydration, trademark, or Hella Hydration, trademark? Did I want to order one of the house formulations or build my own bear by adding zinc, taurine, or tryptophan, 250 per milliliter? Monica tried to guide me by asking me about my goals. I'm planning to be hungover in the future and wanted to try it out, I said, then realized this sounded insane. Also, I run and lift weights. An athlete, she nodded knowingly. I hesitated. I was an athlete in the way that drip bars were health clinics. True in a technical sense, but it felt embarrassing for everyone involved to refer to it that way. Still, I seized on the idea and opted for a shorter express infusion called Rapid Repair, TM, which promised to replenish my amino acids and enhance my muscle recovery. Monica wheeled out a small neon yellow bag, 250 milliliters, and plugged me in. She had warned that I might be able to taste the infusion, and she was right. For the first few minutes, my mouth tasted like the inside of a Flintstones vitamin jar. It was more unsettling than unpleasant. The actual infusion only took about 15 minutes and was far more comfortable than I had expected. Monica even put a heating pack on my arm so it wouldn't get cold. IV fluids are room temperature, your body is not. She checked my blood pressure and blood oxygen levels again, then asked me to pee in a cup so they could check my kidney function. I am inherently suspicious of anyone who asks for my urine, but Monica didn't look like a narc, so I complied. My urine was the exact same shade as the bag of fluids that had helped create it. A wild, intrusive thought. Was this how they filled the bags? On the ride home, after a beef jerky experience, I surveyed my body for clues. If my muscles were repairing themselves, they were doing it quietly. I thought I felt a little more energetic, but it was hard to tell. For this vague feeling, I paid $109. Like the rest of the wellness industry, drip bars promise a host of benefits, many of which are abstract nominalizations, optimization, detoxification, regeneration. A lot of people are introduced to the industry through hangover treatments, but hangovers don't keep the lights on. Most clients come for the vitamins. Vetting the efficacy, let alone the dosage, of vitamin infusions is tricky. Dietary supplements are poorly regulated relative to prescription drugs. There's no guarantee you'll receive what the clinic promises. And the pandemic has only inflated some of these businesses' claims. In the past two years, the Federal Trade Commission has sent hundreds of warning letters to IV clinics for claiming that vitamin infusions could protect against COVID-19, a claim for which there is no reliable evidence. Two of those letters went to local businesses, the Epigenetics Healing Center in Overland Park and the Revive and Rally Health Lounge in the Crossroads. The latter has since closed, citing in an Instagram post, circumstances outside of our control. I wanted to better understand this side of the industry, so I called up Dr. Sidney McQueen, a clinical associate professor at the UMKC School of Pharmacy. McQueen has researched and published extensively on dietary supplements and non-prescription drugs, and she's upfront about the risks. Fat-soluble vitamins, such as vitamin A, can be dangerous in excessive quantities. Even too much saline solution, the base of most IV bags, can be dangerous for patients with heart conditions or kidney disease. 
and intravenous infusions always carry some risk of contamination and infection relative to oral medication and hydration. If the gut works, use it, McQueen says. That's always the best. But do IV infusions have any advantages? Sure, she says. Anytime you give a medication IV versus orally, it's going to work faster because it's getting in the bloodstream faster. Most of the IVs administered at drip bars aren't medically necessary, but she lists a few groups of people who might benefit from them anyway, including those who get migraines. The vitamin infusions offered at these bars often contain magnesium, which McQueen says has been shown to help reduce the severity of migraines. Another common ingredient is methylcobalamin, a form of vitamin B12 that older adults can have a hard time absorbing through food. For people who are clinically dehydrated, an IV can be a faster road to recovery. Plus, as expensive as an IV infusion at a drip bar might be, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than getting one at a hospital. Still, McQueen notes, would-be patients should ask about the sterility of the preparation and the dosage, and do a little research in advance to make sure doses are within a reasonable range. One easy question to ask is when your IV cocktail was prepared. In hospital or pharmacy settings, IV bags are required to be used within 60 minutes of compounding to shorten the window for bacteria growth. If drip bars administer them right away, the infection risks are lower, even if the bags aren't prepared in a hospital-grade clean room setting. But how much risk should we be taking on at all for a procedure that isn't medically necessary, especially for something like a hangover? For many people, that calculation depends on whether it works, and reliable evidence is scant. There's no real literature that shows that using IV fluids would benefit people who have a mild hangover, says Dr. Stanley Goldfarb, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Perelman School of Medicine. Goldfarb is a kidney specialist and a longtime skeptic of big hydration. More than a decade ago, he and his co-authors made headlines with a study questioning the oft-repeated advice that we should be drinking eight glasses of water a day. His skepticism extends to the elective IV industry, which he compares to Russian roulette. To go to an unregulated place and have intravenous material placed in your vein is kind of insane, really, and potentially quite dangerous, Goldfarb says. I wanted to talk to Goldfarb because the Kansas City Star had interviewed him in 2019, when a Johnson County man died after growing ill during a vitamin infusion at the Element Wellness Spa and Studio in Brookside. The autopsy report attributed the death to underlying medical conditions. Element Wellness is still operating today, albeit on a concierge basis. But at the time, Goldfarb didn't seem convinced the IV clinic was blameless. He still isn't. There was no way they could have held the clinic responsible, Goldfarb says. There's no telltale trace. By way of illustration, he tells me about a time when he served as an expert witness on a case where a physician had given a patient too much potassium. The extra potassium almost certainly killed the patient, he says. But the hospital was held harmless. The coroner couldn't find any traces of extra potassium in his body. What no one told the jury was that it's impossible to find, says Goldfarb. When you die, all the potassium that was in your cells floods out into the tissues and fluids in your body, and any extra potassium you might have had is lost in this sea. There was no way to know. Andy Marceau, a former health reporter who covered the 2019 incident, came away from the story with questions about the industry's relative safety operating in a regulatory gray area. If you're doing everything right in terms of your infection control protocols, then it's probably relatively low risk, Marceau says. But consumers don't know how often that's the case, because the facilities themselves are not generally regulated. Currently, elective IV businesses aren't regulated or inspected by the Missouri or Kansas State Health Departments. Representatives from both departments referred me to licensing boards for individual practitioners instead. Nurses who work at IV clinics, they're subject to licensing and discipline and investigations, but licensing boards are fairly thinly staffed, Marceau explains. They're not really proactive either. They're only going to respond to complaints for the most part. Regulating the industry would likely be costly, but it's hard to even get a sense of the scope of the challenge. 
Last October, the Food and Drug Administration released a statement about the risks of IV treatments, noting a case from February 2021 in which a 52-year-old woman was hospitalized for septic shock after a home vitamin infusion. But the FDA's statement also highlighted just how little the organization knows about elective IV businesses, including whether they employ licensed practitioners to evaluate patients or whether they follow sterile compounding practices in sanitary conditions. Chad Teeter, the clinic director at IV Nutrition Now, helps alleviate a few of my concerns. He tells me that all of IV Nutrition Now's providers are registered nurses or paramedics. Teeter says they get as close to a hospital's cleanroom standards as they can, as clean as physically possible. All of our services are basically prepared underneath a sterile hood, and then they go directly from a sterile hood to the client. This made me feel better about my experience at his clinic, but I started wondering about my upcoming hangover treatment. The company I had booked, Liquid Mobile IV, had promised a registered nurse for the visit, but it was a house call, and my home is decidedly unsterile. I tried to push these worries out of my mind. After all, the company had a strong incentive not to kill me. Plus, I had a hangover to prepare for. If curing a hangover is difficult, courting one is a breeze. The night before my Liquid Mobile IV appointment, I went to a holiday party and did everything you're not supposed to do. I mixed alcohols. I drank three cups of a sugary punch. I finished the evening with a glass of champagne and didn't drink any water before bed. I achieved my goal. There's this expression I hear people use sometimes. You look like death warmed up. Hungover me did not look like death warmed up. Hungover me looked like a frozen TV death dinner that had been thawed in the sun and microwaved with a plastic cover still attached. Brittany, the liquid mobile IV nurse who showed up at my house with a wheeled black case of medical equipment, didn't seem to mind. She was a former ER nurse, a seasoned pro. She took my blood pressure, injected me with some Zofran, an anti-nausea medication, and then prepared a 1,000-milliliter bag of fluids right in the middle of my living room. She didn't yelp when my cat jumped on the couch and tried to chew on the IV line. I wondered what Goldfarb would say. This time, the infusion took almost an hour. Once again, I took an inventory of my body. Once again, I didn't notice a difference. I felt a misplaced sense of triumph at my body's obstinacy, its steadfast determination to suffer. In a facile sense, you can buy longevity in America. Rich people not only live almost a decade longer than poor people, they also live better as those extra years are more likely to be disability-free. This discrepancy is a function of many things that wealth affords. Better health care, better food, more education, less stress. Part of me felt a sense of intravenous relief that the hangover might be democratic, that there was at least one thing money couldn't buy. The rest of me just felt tired. My hangover relief hydration session cost $300, not including a 20% tip. If this seems like an odd extension of American tipping culture, I hear you. But I'm also not about to stiff the person who controls whether or not I get sepsis. The only difference I noticed after Brittany left was that my pee was, once again, an unsettling highlighter yellow. But I suppose I can't discount the fact that the infusion kept me from feeling worse. At the very least, I didn't puke. I had cleared my hangover day of all tasks but one, writing this article. I decided to give the IV a little more time to work its magic before I started. I made some soup. I played some Nintendo Switch. I lay with my cheek pressed to the couch cushions until my face felt embroidered. The next morning, I texted my editor. The story was going to be late. Thank you, Jason. Uh, now we've got, as per always, Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. For the last decade, Kansas City's Jonathan Brokaw has been recording music under the name All Blood. While the project has ebbed and flowed over the years, and gone in and out of genres as disparate as lo-fi folk and Devo-inspired avant-garage, the connecting thread has always been Brokaw's unique lyrical voice. 
The musician's ability to convey personal matters in a way which makes them feel universal is a particular skill, and Brokaw succeeds at it every time. On All Blood's latest, Rattle Rattle Thunder Clatter Boom Boom Boom, recorded as a bedroom project during the pandemic last year, Brokaw leans into a sound which can best be described as an intimate of Montreal. It's gloriously poppy, but shorn of all of Kevin Barnes' usual adornments. It's music for quiet introspection via headphones while curled up on the couch, but you're still going to find yourself wriggling about and dancing in place. There's also a gloriously brilliant song about tenant rights, which might be a first. The second song on Rattle Rattle Thunder Clatter Boom Boom Boom, Did It All for the Dum Dum, is a song which, in less than three minutes, encapsulates Brokaw's never-ending hunt for that certain element which, as the lyrics state, quote, drills deep down inside and finds a place in your heart to reside and says all the things I want to say to you. You can get Rattle Rattle Thunder Clatter Boom 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 as a name your price download at allblood.bandcamp.com. Here's Did It All for the Dum to Dum. Thank you, Nick. Uh, so yeah, uh, went to see Making Movies perform their Kid A show uh, back in December. 
uh, here in town. We we interviewed the lead singer for that one. Uh, I wrote about it online. Just a hell of a show. Anyway, we got there, and they, as their second opening act, um, was this band that I just took a million photos of. Uh, a couple of cool kids from Tennessee who were circling through. No one had any idea who they were, and I've never seen in at least a decade, uh, a young opening band just have that much sheer goddamn enthusiasm. It was one of the most fun shows I've ever seen. And I, I was standing next to a friend and just kept being like, I, I this is, this is so great. I, I, I got to know who they are. So I cornered them at their merch booth uh, later during the making movies set and was like, here's my card. Uh, you need to call me, which this is true. I got 1000 business cards as editor in chief uh, two months into my job, uh, right before a pandemic hit. So this was two plus years later, the first opportunity I had to give out a business card. Uh, so that, that felt good. It felt good using it for this one. So, uh, they got in touch, uh, and here's my interview with Josh and, uh, some of their music. Welcome to the Streetwise podcast. Would you introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, what's up? My name is Josh. I'm the front man of the indie rock band Black Kid Beer. Have I just woken you up for this? <laughs> uh, no, I've been up for about 35 minutes. <laughs> uh, it's a day off today. So usually the night before I am like, I want to stay up as late as humanly possible because I can. And <laughs> I'm regretting that because I realized I actually have a bunch of stuff I need to do today. And I'm like, crap, that's, take it. <laughs> Well, enjoy that ability to stay up all night while you're young. Your 30s hit harder. Uh, so tell me about the group. When did you guys form? Uh, how did you meet? So the formation of like Black Hippie started about roughly four and a half, five years ago. So in like 2017, I was doing like solo acoustic stuff under the name St. John. And then we got booked for this festival and I wanted to put together a band for it. So I got some of my friends from college. Uh, who all are not in the band anymore, hilariously, but, and we kind of start, we ended up getting cut from the festival, but we still played a show as a band, and that was kind of like the genesis of us as a band, and then we switched our name to Black Hippie the following year, uh, which is what I originally used to be called when I was, like, doing stuff in college, like, these, like, lo-fi projects and stuff, but uh, we kept getting confused with, like, this heavy metal band called St. John on Spotify, and we are just like, it's not worth it, let's just change our name. To Black Hippie, which is also the name exactly. of a rap group. Like, yeah, you're, you're Google results, man. Like, you're, you're a ghost. You're impossible. Okay. <laughs> that, that V in the black is just the most crucial thing because <laughs> there's not a V in there. It's, it's a rap. But um, so the current lineup we have, um, so like our drummer, Casey, I used to work with one of his friends from high school they did drumline with. At, at Guitar Center some years ago and he played drums for us for a little minute and then he was like hey I, got, I can't keep playing drums for you guys but my friend can play drums really well and he wants to play with you guys and I was like cool so then I texted him about going to rehearsal and then he didn't respond to me for like left me on red for like a week and a half and then he responded and he's been in the band for a while and then I was gonna so say it, it, I've never experienced a drummer actually bailing on me but having a replacement in mind but the replacement leaving you on read for a week and a half like just continuing a long lineage of drummer <laughs> responsibilities. So that sounds great. <laughs> uh, definitely. So we ended up, uh, Celeste has been in the band since last summer. Uh, she saw us at a show we played at a skate park at like literally a day before we parted ways with our other guitar player. And I posted on Instagram and she was like, I'd love to play for you guys. And I was like, oh, you were super cool and nice at the skate park. And then our bass player has only been around since our six week tour in like October. 
uh, he, the weird fun thing about him is I met him when he was, he was 16. He's from the college town I uh, went to school at. And I remember meeting him. He was like 16. I'm pretty sure I was like 19 or 20 or something like that. And I never thought I'd, I'd like run into him again. They ran into each other over the summer. And I was like, hey, man, like my friend was supposed to play bass for us on tour and he can't. Do you want to like disappear for six weeks? And he was like, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then like it was like a couple like a couple of shows of the tour. And he was like, well, if you guys want me to permanently be your bass player, just let me know. I'll do whatever. And I was like, cool. And then we kind of just like vibe great over the six weeks to the point where we were like, ah, we don't want to not have you in the band. So. So we're talking today because uh, I caught your guys' set uh, when you were the opener for making movies at their oh, yeah. Kid A show here in Kansas City. And uh, I, I, I was standing there with a, with a friend who works at our NPR affiliate. And the, you guys got started into maybe your second song. And I was shouting at him. I was like, is this the best band you've seen in like years? Or is it just that we haven't seen music in so long? Like, I'm just excited. And he's like, no, I think that they might be the best. I was like, cool, I'm going to go say hi afterwards. So yeah. like, yeah, I, I was actually in writing up the Making Movies show later, I realized I'd taken maybe triple the number of photos of your set uh, <laughs> as I had of the headliner or or the the other opener. And I was like, Oh, okay, so like I'm real invested uh, in, in what this is. Um, how did you guys wind up in Kansas City for that show? Uh, do you guys, are you friends with making movies? <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool. So um, our connection with Kansas City is based off like two things. So the first thing is like, we're signed to an indie label out of Kansas City. So I think our first time going to Kansas City was like last summer. So that's kind of like our connection to Kansas City. And the connection with uh, making movies is kind of crazy. So um, making movies recorded uh, a record, I think it came out last year, it was a while ago, a record at a studio in Memphis that we ended up doing, recording our record at. And the indie, one of like the assistants was the producer of our record. So Making Movies played a show down in Memphis last summer. We all came down and hung out and we're like, hey, what's up? You know, you guys know Ethan, da 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 da. We all kind of chatted up. And then me and uh, Enrique, I think we did exchange numbers then or exchange through Instagram. And he had hit me up when we were on tour and was like, hey, like, uh, do you guys want to play a show in like December? And I was like, obviously, that would be <laughs> awesome. Like our drummer's like got me in, our drummer got me into making movies like some years ago. He's like a huge fan. So we were, I was like, obviously, like you don't get asked this often. Of course you're gonna do that. So it kind of just came from just like us chatting a bunch when they were in Memphis at a show and kind of hitting it off. And that's kind of, I guess, what kind of led to us being able to open for him, which was like, cool. I was like, it was just funny. Cause it was like, uh, I was, I remember exactly where I was because we were in Detroit. We just played a show and I was sleeping on somebody's floor. And I just remember like rolling over and looking at my phone and being like, seeing a text and being like, oh, cool. That sounds like a cool show. And then falling back asleep for 20 minutes. And then like, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I like that this story now becomes the latest in a pantheon of stories just about how it, Enrique is like collaboration made manifest. Like yeah. that guy can't walk into a room and not immediately have like a project set up with every cool person there and then just disappears <laughs> into the night again and texts you one day and is like, you're coming to Kansas City next week. Like, cool, I'm on a floor, but I'll be there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, exactly. That was such a fun experience. Uh, it was funny because like we're, we're still like up and comers, so we're not really used to like very large venues with things like green room and like stuff like that. So we were just like trying to act cool and act like we weren't like, amazed that this was happening so we we're just like oh yeah this is so cool you know we we're like chatting up backstage and stuff inside i'm just like oh my gosh we have a green room like what it was just it was so 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 crazy 
I think yeah. that may have been some of the energy you guys were putting out that night uh, that we were picking up out there. I was like, I can't remember seeing somebody so happy to be on stage. Uh, oh, yeah. so <laughs> well, and also, you were happier to be backstage, so that's great. <laughs> it was also crazy because we hadn't played a show since tour. Uh, and I think tour ended, we did audio tuning this 15th or something of November. So we haven't like played together, really seen each other since like that week. So we were just like hyped in general. We were just like, oh man, we can see each other, we can play together. And it's just like always a fun time. It was also funny because like, uh, man, uh, the, the webs before they put a, a center block in front of a kick drum. So the kick drum kept moving through that whole set. And I just remember <laughs> that that was just also really funny. <laughs> Cause I kept looking back and I would look at Casey and he would look at me and I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. But yeah, it's, it's fun. I always like, Kansas City is always cool. I like, it's an interesting city. It's my first introduction to the Midwest. When we came up there last summer and I love the Midwest. Yeah, Kansas City treated you right, made sure you got some barbecue in you. Definitely. I, I remember like, the thing I remember most about the first time in Kansas City was uh, some really, really good, like a really good chai tea latte and like some avocado toast, which is probably the most hipster thing I can say in a sentence. And I'm not ashamed, personally. I'm, I'm okay with being a garbage hipster person. But <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny because I was talking to, I was talking to somebody about Kansas City and I was like, yeah, the first time we went there, we went to uh, Taylor Swift's favorite uh, coffee shop in Kansas City and I got a chai tea latte and split a, and split a avocado toast. And then I finished that sentence and I looked in the mirror and I was like, man, I used to be cool at one point. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Time comes for us all. Um, so uh, where can people find and uh, support your work? So we're all on all streaming sites. Just look up Black Hippie, which is B-L-V-C-K-H-I-P-P-I-E. And throw a 901 on there to find us on all social media. Um, save our songs, add them to the playlist. Uh, buy merch. We have merch on Bandcamp. We just did a new run of shirts, which is pretty cool. We still have like postcards and stuff like that. The shirts are cool because one of our managers designed them while we were on tour. It's pretty nifty. It's like a little uh, alligator monster in overalls and Doc Martens eating a tape. It's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> how would you just how would you describe your sound that is that is a hard question because like usually sonically i kind of go for the i want to there's there was this old mall in memphis it was called the mall in memphis and it was super like classic 90s uh excess of a mall kind of you know what i mean like it had like an ice ring and stuff like that and i just remember like walking around that peter that like that place and like walk around department stores at the time and being a like young in the 90s all the A's music was what was playing on the radio and stuff like that. So like, it's like, I want all of our sound to sound like I am in an old nineties mall listening to like the police or some eighties band and remind me of that kind of nostalgic feeling of childhood about being at like my old, my parents' old house and stuff like that. So that's kind of like where I try to go sonically with our music. It doesn't matter what anything goes with that. That's like just the sonic idea I want to go for because usually I feel like our, our, our stuff's like really all over the place. And I like it that way because I have a really short attention span, but I always try. I always try to group everything together just under that 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 sonic umbrella, so then it has some kind of like coherence. And like, it's usually when I decide to keep a song or not, because like I write a lot, and usually what determines if I bring a song to the band or not is if I have that feeling from it. So I guess that's the only way I can describe our sound because it doesn't really make that much sense, really, because. I mean, yeah, in, a, in an abandoned 90s malls and listening to 80s music, I, that totally tracks. That's a, okay. a, a kick-ass summary. And we'll, we'll just make it on, uh, easy on people here as we lead out. Uh, why don't you intro a song, and I'll make sure that we close on that one. Which one do you want to go with? Ooh, I, I'll probably do 
I'm so kind of I'll probably do If You Feel Alone at Parties. That's the title track of our record. Um, it is the most successful one so far on the record. And that makes me happy because there were six versions of that song that I recorded in my bedroom before we like took it to the studio. And I was very self-conscious about that song. I thought it was, it was going to be the, I thought I should have gone with an earlier version, but the success of it kind of made me happy that I went with that version. Cause there was, there was six different versions. One had horns in it. Uh, they were all, they were all constructed differently. They were all like polar opposites of each other. Um, Cause I, I usually demo a lot with stuff, but it's the most successful and I'm really happy that it is because uh, I would have stressed myself even more if it sucked. <laughs> well, okay, we're gonna roll that track now. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck, can't wait to see you at KC again. Right, thank you so much.
Thank you so much, everybody. That was the Streetwise Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Please check out the work we are doing each and every day of the week at thepitchkc.com. I've been your host, Brock Wilbur. Please get in touch with me, Brock, at thepitchkc.com if you have anything you want to tell me about. Tips, feedback, whatever. Uh, otherwise, uh, be safe out there in the cold. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Bye, 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 bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.